Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckis and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire. The Detroit Pistons select... Seku Dubuya. The boy gets run off the line. Down the lane. My goodness. Look at that. Pistons come right back at him with a bruise. Oh, oh, oh. Jam. Dishes to Luke for the long gun. It goes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pistons versus Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and it's been a long time. It's been like a month plus since we've done one of these things. But we got some news. We got some minor stuff to talk about. We got some major stuff to talk about regarding the Pistons. And so I figured, you know, like, hey, like, let's let's actually put something together. Uh, first things first, like the Pistons are kind of done for the year. No more regular season games. 2019, 2020 regular season games for our Detroit Pistons. They were not invited to the bubble in Orlando, which is honestly kind of a good thing. Um, the The NBA's plan, I think, has a, a strong chance of succeeding, but it is really, really easy for me to imagine the ways in which it can go wrong. Um, you know, one, a couple players, like, you know, just don't feel like wearing masks. Masks are uncomfortable. I hate wearing my mask, but I wear it, you know, when I, when I go out. Um, if players don't fully adhere to, you know, the mask situation, that's one area. Um, you know, we found out that Disney employees like won't be able to get uh won't be tested every day and won't be uh won't have access to the players, but uh also like aren't can leave the bubble, right? It's a semi permeable bubble because the uh the sta- the Disney staff can can go in and out. You know, that's that's another thing, right? Um, there's also the possibility that, you know, it works well from a health perspective, but that the basketball kind of sucks since it'll have been uh, like three, four months since the, uh, since the season got started or since the season was, uh, was put on pause. And so you, you run the risk of a a really blah into the regular season, which I guess is kind of par for the course. You get blah into the regular season, uh, even during a normal NBA season, but, uh, but yeah, it's, you get a blah into the regular season, the a blah, uh, a couple uh, play quote unquote play in games, and then like a blah first round or so before uh, we get to the basketball that you know is actually sharp and that people want to see. And at that point, it's like, well, why didn't we just bring fewer teams into the bubble? Why didn't we just go straight to the playoffs? You know, from a safety perspective, you know, but. That's neither here nor there. Uh, the Pistons will not be participating in the bubble in Orlando. I think that's a good thing. I'm not. I talked a little bit earlier in an earlier podcast about how I'm not worried about player development from a like no games for eight months perspective. Um, I think this will be good for guys who were recovering from injuries like Blake, like Luke. I think that um, skill development at this point in time is really important for a lot of the Pistons young guys. I'm thinking of Sekou and Bruce in particular. Sekou with his ball handling and uh, probably like shooting accuracy just a little bit. And Bruce with uh, with his shooting, definitely shooting off movement or shooting off the dribble, he, which he like very rarely does. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not 
super worried about that from a from a lack of games perspective. Um, so that's the major news is that there's no more Pistons games. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, a little bit of a secondary major news is that the Pistons are going to hire a general manager. Um, that is and that is the bulk of what you guys wanted to talk about, which we will absolutely do. Um, you know, Ed Stefanski, president of basketball ops in, uh, everything but name <laughs> is, uh, stepping aside. I don't know. Or I don't know if he's fully, I don't think he's stepping aside fully, but he only had a three year contract, right? He's only, um, under contract for one more year for the next season uh, after this one. And so it makes sense that he would be looking for someone to uh, replace him or supplant him uh, during that time. Um, I don't know if you guys heard Ed Stefanski on the uh, the Adrian Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast, the Woj Pod, but uh, he did not exactly sound like someone who was enthralled with the day to day operations of the Detroit Pistons. And so I, I don't think that uh, he's going to be you know still you know ruling the Pistons with an iron fist and not letting the GM uh, take control of the team. And I think that's evident in the quality of candidates that the Pistons have been linked to for this general manager job, right? Um, that's one thing that, um, you know, it, it, we'll get to the questions, I guess, uh, since that kind of feeds into what you guys wanted to know about. So from Jamaican Bacon 97, I just really wanted to say, Jamaican bacon 97 um, the GM search the assistant GM search and the candidates update so main candidate according to multiple report, multiple reports Mark Stein Vinnie Goodwill Woj is Troy Weaver Oklahoma City uh, Oklahoma City Thunders Troy Weaver um, the I think Troy Weaver is the the best candidate for this Pistons job Um and that is because Troy Weaver is typically not the kind of candidate the Pistons uh, get access to. All right, let me uh, let me let me explain that a little bit. So, Weaver is a guy who's been very discerning in the jobs he is willing to take to leave Oklahoma City. Um, he was up for when the when the Blazers had their opening a couple of years back. He interviewed right. When the Hawks fired Wes Wilcox and hired Travis Schlenk, you know, he was interviewed for, for that job as well. Um, last or two seasons ago, the, when the, when the Wizards lost, uh, Ernie Grunfeld, if I remember correctly, two seasons ago, uh, before they hired their current guy, you know, he interviewed for, for that job. Um, he interviewed for the Chicago job this off season, but, and this is key. And I think this points to the kind of, person and executive Troy Weaver will be is that he did not go in for a second interview with the Chicago Bulls because he got the sense that he was not truly uh, a candidate uh, for that job. He got the sense that he got the correct sense that Bulls ownership had already already identified the guy that they wanted to run their team in Arturos Carfuscuros. I'm sorry, I butchered the Bulls GM. Bulls, uh, new front office guy name. You can look him up. Um, but they, the Jerry Reinsdorf had identified him as the guy and was just like given Weaver interviews just to say he gave Weaver some interviews. And so Weaver like pulled back. He was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want, 
I don't want to be someplace that doesn't want me. And the that guy with that level of discernment, that guy with that level of perception and uh, connection in and around the league, that's a guy the Pistons don't normally get interviews with, right? Like, I was absolutely terrified when we got the uh, report from uh, Stefan Bondi uh, that, you know, some people the, the Pistons were interested in were you know, West, the formerly deposed like Wes Wilcox and, and Ryan McDonough, the former GM of the Phoenix Suns, right? Like those, those were some truly terrible, uh, those are some truly terrifying names to see as potential general manager candidates for your team. And if we're being honest, right, like the last decade of Detroit Pistons basketball would lead you to believe that like that would be the only, that caliber of candidate would be the only ones that they could attract right like you couldn't do better than uh the west wilcox uh image rehabilitation tour right but this team apparently is in a good enough spot to where a guy like troy weaver is is interested in the job and i think that's a good thing i think that's something you have to give Ed Stefanski uh, a decent amount of credit for, and I think it's something you have to give Tom Gores some credit for. Um, I think that you can credit Gores for enabling Stefanski to make the moves to get the team in a position to where a guy like Troy Weaver would take the job. I don't know how much credit you can give Tom Gores for, like, you know, executing the moves, and I just think he, he signed off on them, honestly. But still, like, he, you know, the Tom Gores of the Stan Van Gundy era and wouldn't have signed off on those moves, right? The guy who wanted to compete all the time wouldn't have signed off on those moves. And so now the Pistons are in a uh, position to have a team that's ready to be molded by one of the NBA's premier player personnel guys, right? The reason you've seen, like I, I enunciated all the teams that Troy Weaver has been linked to uh, previously. And the, the reason he's been, one of those guys uh, who's been perpetually linked to other jobs is because of his like proclivity with with players, because of his uh, ability to um, figure out how players will interact with one another, work with one another on and off the court, and and build a team uh, in that manner. You know, you you have uh, you have uh, examples of this. Uh, Weaver was apparently instrumental in getting Carmelo Anthony to the Thunder. If you remember correctly, that was like Carmelo was uh, effect, surprisingly effective to some and just like regularly effective uh, to others that year in, in Oklahoma City. Um, some issues in the playoffs, but, you know, we're, we're not really going to worry about that. Um, you have guys like uh, Serge Ibaka and, and Russell Westbrook being extremely complimentary of the way that uh, Troy Weaver, you know, helped them early in their careers. Um, yeah, Abaka is like crediting Troy Weaver with the importance of uh, like looking good and dressing good uh, and, and using that as a method to, to play well, you know, like stuff like that matters to players. And if Weaver has that kind of reputation around the league, you can see how uh, other players would come would want to be in a place, you know, like Detroit. Um, 
we're gonna we're gonna uh, go to the the second question, which is also still kind of tied to this, um, from our good friend Ryan Laprade about how he wants to know how the Thunder's free agency draft and trade records over the past ten years impact the Pistons' moves in the future if Troy Weaver is hired. And I think this is a good question because the the draft is the big thing, right? The draft is how teams rebuild uh, from the position the Pistons are in. And so, you know, looking at the draft, the last five years for the Oklahoma City Thunder have not been amazing, right? They, they got Darius Baisley this year in a draft day trade. Um, could have, They originally selected Brandon Clark and traded him to Memphis for, for Baisley. Um, you know, 2018, they draft Devin, Devin Hall and Kevin Hervey in the 50s. 2017, they take Terrence Ferguson uh, outside of the lottery. They don't have a pick, and they don't have any picks in 2016. And in 2015, they take Cameron Payne, which was a mistake. Um, but I think that if you look at the team that Oklahoma City has put together for uh, for the last couple of years, the priorities they have placed have been um, guys with uh, athleticism, guys with uh, a good defensive mindset and guys who um like can't really can't really shoot (laughs) i think that's fair to say um but you think about the type of players that weaver was helping sam presti build a team around in you know specifically in russell westbrook and you can see how westbrook would want to play with guys who you know played as hard as he does and you would want to surround that guy the like insatiable offensive engine that Russell Westbrook is and was at that time you don't necessarily like need to surround that guy with a lot of offensive talent you know um it makes sense why you would want to go with the guys like Andre Roberson right or guys like uh you know, guys like uh, Victor Oladipo to a lesser extent. They traded Ibaka for for Victor Oladipo and Demontis Sabonis. That was a pretty good trade, by the way. Um, worked out, and you know the there you go. There's the there's the trade aspect, right? Like they turned Serge Ibaka into Victor Oladipo and Demontis Sabonis um, paired Oladipo and Westbrook, which um, was instrumental in showing Oladipo like what kind of work needed to be put in in order to be an NBA star and he, Oladipo has said that openly and so that like that's a good thing you want players who are going to be uh, looking at the talent you have on the roster and um, and saying like hey they like that's the, the type of talent I want to emulate and then they managed to flip you know Oladipo and Sabonis into Paul George right like if you, you turn Serge Ibaka into Paul George, that that's a win in my book. Um, you know, you never know exactly how much Weaver has to do with that daisy chain, but that is the I think that's the major like trade transaction uh, of the last couple of years for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And you know that that chain continued, right? They turned Paul George into Shea Gillis Alexander, um, Danilo Gallinari, and a boatload a boatload of future first round picks and so like and Shea is a guy that we a guy that I think has a is only like beginning to scratch the surface of like what he's capable of um and a guy that you you don't make that the Paul George trade 
without including Shea Gilgis Alexander, and I'm sure the the Clippers tried. Um, and so that displays a a level of um, value prioritization in trades that I think bodes well for the Pistons. Um, you know, they also managed to trade you know uh, Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul. Um, I think that's a fairly like even trade. The Westbrook wanted out of Oklahoma City, which is the only reason to trade a guy like Russell Westbrook. Um, but that also kind of illustrates, right, like uh, with the Pistons and Blake Griffin. The Blake Griffin did not, he has not asked for a trade formally, but in his comments at the uh, end of the year press availability he had, um, you could tell that, the, or the, the sense I got from his comments is that um, while he would gladly play for the Pistons, if that proved necessary, that uh, it was not his first choice. And, you know, honestly, who can blame him? He's not that old, right? Like he And he can still, when healthy, like very clearly contribute to an NBA team. And you would expect that like a guy at his age with his skill level would like to play for a winning team. And the Pistons aren't going to be a winning team for the foreseeable future. So you would expect a guy like Troy Weaver to come in and not only like sit down and explain the situation to Blake and be like, Hey, like you like, and Blake's a smart guy. Blake knows the situation. So I don't know if that conversation, you know, uh, needs to be like too lengthy, but he would come in and explain the situation to Blake. Like, Hey, like, you know, we love you. We love your talent. Uh, we love what you, what you, the leadership you've brought to the franchise, but you know, we're going in a different direction. Um, and that's, and Weaver also would be a guy who could get, you know, some value for a player like Blake Griffin in the, in the off season as evidenced by, you know, the Ibaka trade, um, and, and the, to a lesser extent, the, the Russell Westbrook trade. Um, and, you know, honestly, you know, if you were to be able to pull Troy Weaver, I'm sure he has, I'll, if he would be the D- GM of the Detroit Pistons, he would still have a lot of connections in the Oklahoma city thunder front office, Sam Presti, Sam Presti, and he would still be really good friends. Uh, Blake Griffin would still be from Oklahoma and you know, there's, there's a possibility, right? You could, you could trade Blake to the Oklahoma city thunder. Um, he has a, Troy would have an intimate knowledge of like the young players, the, the thunder, you know, do and don't prioritize and, and wouldn't one would and would not be willing to, to part with in a Blake Griffin trade. And so, yeah, you know, maybe there's a way that that, that works out uh, for everybody and Blake gets to play in his home state of Oklahoma. That would be fun. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that between the... So because Weaver's background is player personnel and, and because his, uh, I think, the way that he thinks about the game is about like an assemblage of cohesive talent on the floor, like that is the kind of guy like I want running the team because... Um, even if he's not going to draft the guys I like, because you, you want someone with a cohesive vision of how the team should be built on the floor to sustain the rebuild and, and to and have the power to execute that vision. Um, and you know, the, the ability to kind of shift that vision as it goes, you know, maybe, um, you know, say if Seku is ahead of schedule, right. And, and proves to be this kind of wing initiator, the Pistons have, you know, lacked for the last 20 years, um, you know, that changes the schedule on like where the Pistons are. And that, that's a good problem. Uh, you know, alternatively, you could have, you could end up in a situation, right. Where, uh, 
you know, uh, I'm thinking about it, like Svi Mikhail Luke uh, proves to be uh, less, he can't maintain the defensive flashes he showed uh, this past season and is so just like a, a one-trick pony on offense that uh, he needs to be traded for a more complete player, right? I, I have faith that Weaver would like identify that and see that and be willing to make those changes. Um, and the good thing is, right? Like this team is so, this team is, so, it's just Blake, Derek Rose and kids, right? Like you, this team can be remade in almost any image. And so uh, you can see why the ability to remake the team in any image would be appealing to a guy like Trey Weaver. So thanks for the question, Ryan. That was a little bit circulatory, but uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we'll get to the this next round of questions in a little bit. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need any more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC all day, every day, live on their website. If you want to bet on something other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. That's at BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, the next question is from Halbridius, uh, former Pistons versus Everybody guest, Halbridius. It's like, as part, uh, a.k.a. the Jimmy Butler cam, what part of hashtag bubble life do you want on camera uh, for the NBA teams that are going to be in the bubble in Florida, in Orlando? Easily. The part I want is James Edwards III's uh, barber draft. If teams have to fight over barbers, uh, over like access to barbers, I want that televised. If a team, if front office is like, hey, we're going to ship you this like top 55 protected second round pick so we can get this barber because our star player loves this dude and, and like needs this haircut. Like I, I want to see that, honestly. As someone who's sitting here and hasn't gotten a haircut like since the global pandemic like the the value i would place on having a barber that like i trust to do the job well it would be is like so high right now like i i need to see how the barbers get distributed among nba teams like that's what i need to see b <laughs> second half of the question uh, if you can send one player from the pistons roster to each team you know that that's in the bubble you know, who goes where and why um i think you would send you'd send um if it would be like a reverse draft right so the the bottom teams would get like the the first picks and i think the athletic the athletic did something like this uh, a couple days ago and and that was pretty interesting to read um i think you know sending a guy like uh Luke Kennard to Memphis would be really intriguing that's a team that's young. They like they like to get up and down the court, um, but they are like just really missing a really dead eye shooter, um, and are between Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark, and to like a lesser extent, uh, hopefully healthy Justice Winslow. You have enough uh, defensively there to cover for a, a guy like Luke, and so like I think that would be that'd be really fun. Um, but and then you, you have like your super high class teams like the Lakers and Milwaukee. They wouldn't 
really need much. I mean, like the Lakers would probably take Derrick Rose, but I don't know how much they would like need a Derrick Rose in a, in a playoff situation where LeBron's going to have the ball all the time anyway. So, you know, there's that. Um, it would be funny if the Oklahoma City Thunder just like absorbed Blake either between like, you know, the whole Blake hometown thing I just talked about, the, the reuniting of uh, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, which I'm sure would would not go over <laughs> super well. Um, I don't think either one of those guys wants to wants to play with one another. And that's not exactly like uh, a mystery. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, between, you know, Stephen Adams and Danilo Gallinari and uh, Nerlens Noel, they're, they're kind of missing that fourth big man. And so you, know, you have the ability to do stuff like play a healthy Blake alongside Gallinari, which is something they already did in Los Angeles, sans Chris Paul. Um, that would prevent the, well, it wouldn't prevent, but that would enable the Thunder to go a little bit bigger than some of like the three guard lineups they've been rolling out uh, all year, which I think that would be kind of interesting. Um, hmm. You think of a guy like Langston, Langston fits pretty well uh, anywhere. Um, you would, you, maybe a team like Denver, yeah, a team like Denver, who uh, Mike Malone like really prioritizes defense, and they could use like a touch more shooting. They're currently playing, I think, like Tory Craig and stuff off the bench, and he's not a, an amazing three point shooter, but he's a good defensive player. And so you you imagine that like you know Langston kind of helps them fill in a hole next to Monty Morris um, on that end. Um, actually, you know, you know, maybe, maybe the Bucks take Thon Maker just to be hilarious, you know. <laughs> who knows right and then uh the last part of Hal Bridius's question is uh who would you draft if the Pistons fall to eighth again Oof, this is so rough I proposed this uh, a couple months ago and I think the I think the answer I got the most was Cole Anthony from fans um just because I think fans have identified point guard is such like a huge need uh, a long-term point guard solution is such a huge need for this team that uh, Cole would be the guy that they would expect to be available at eight in that position. Um, I think that at eight, if you're looking at like a stereotypical mock draft where guys like, you know, Lamelo, Edwards, Hayes, Akangwu are, are, are off the board. Um, I think that is a situation in which you do take like a closer look at Isaac Okoro. Um, Okoro is a guy who I've had a, a lot of concerns about um, from an offensive standpoint. His shot looks uh, it, it looks pretty bad, to be perfectly honest with you. But that's a guy who, like Alex Kungu was talking about this the last time I had him on the podcast last episode. You know, if 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 that's a guy who ends up shooting, he does so many other things well that um, that's a potential like star in this league. Um, another guy I would consider that Pistons fans haven't brought up as much is Kira Lewis Jr. from Alabama. Uh, he's a he's a regular sized point guard, which like eliminates him from consideration in the minds of some. But his uh, open court athleticism, his uh, ability to create in transition, the the shoot the pull up shooting ability, the catch and shoot shooting ability. Um, all those things point to, I think, the point to him being an effective uh, NBA point guard. Um, you would have liked him to run more pick and rolls at Alabama just so you could get a better sense of what kind of like passing vision um, he has in, in half-court settings. Um, 
but you know I think that that's a guy with um, the that's a guy with like the athletic potential and and shooting potential that you like to see in a point guard prospect. You know, those are some names. Cole Anthony, a guy Pistons fans already know and are relatively familiar with. Isaac Coro, same deal. And and Kira Lewis, I think a guy Pistons fans are less familiar with. They they should do a better job of familiarating themselves uh, with. All right, the next question is from Jeffrey Cameron. Uh, Goof <laughs> Jeff Cam. Sorry, I, I read that as Goof Cam, and I was like, why would you name yourself Goof Cam on Twitter? But you you didn't. Good job, Jeffrey. Uh, Jeffrey wants to know about the uh, realistic uh, options in free agency on uh, Harry Harry Giles, Derek Jones Jr., uh, and DeAnthony Melton. Uh, he those are guys he likes, and those are guys I also like. So you know you have good taste in guys, Jeff. Um, Harry Giles in particular. So Giles, I think, is the only unrestricted free agent of those listed names. Um, Giles. So he's like, you know, imminently available for any team who offers him the best deal. Um, he fills a need next uh, at, at center um, next to Christian Wood. You know, like assuming uh, assuming John Henson is not retained, assuming um, Blake Griffin is traded and uh, assuming that we don't really want to see Thon Maker, the Pistons kind of have like a hole at big man. And I think Giles would do a good job um, of being a, a solid role player uh, in that hole um the he is a he's a surprisingly good passer i think is one thing i learned from from watching uh, a little bit of film on him and um he's a effective uh rim runner um so that like those are those are good things those are things you like to see i think he's still he's still kind of learning uh defensively but um I think that that's definitely something that under like the tutelage of a Dwayne Casey, he would, he would uh, get better in that area. And you, that would be good to see. Um, and, and, you know, last but not least, um, you, you, what was I going to say? I forget what I was going to say, but yeah, Harry Giles. I like him. I like him. He's that, that's a, that's a good fit. Um, that's a guy who, Oh, he, the shot discipline for him would be the thing that to, to kind of worry about. He shoots a lot of like, 15 footers and you kind of don't want that. So we'll, we, we would see how that would go. Um, Derek Jones, Jr. Derek Jones, Jr. Is a really, really exciting and unique player. And the Pistons are so bad that I don't really know if unique is what they need, right? Like he is a wing rim protector and like a lob threat in the half court and of course like a, a devastating transition finisher but um yeah like he doesn't really do much on offense in the half court um it's, it's just like he's a, he's an odd piece right and so maybe a guy like Troy Weaver with more vision than I do would be able to see you know how a Derek Jones Jr. would fit you know, alongside a, a Svima Kailuk and a Sekou Dumbuya, right? Or how a Derek Jones Jr. and a Christian Wood, like, fit on court together. Like, is Derek Jones Jr., like, guarding centers in that big man lineup? It's, it like, it's, it's just odd. And so I don't dislike Derek Jones Jr., but, like, if when the whole board is, like, open, I don't want to limit myself to fitting square pegs and round holes. That is a extremely mixed metaphor, but I hope you get my point from my tone. Uh, and DeAnthony Melton. DeAnthony Melton is a devastatingly good defensive player. Um, and the 
type of player that I think is destined to get underpaid in free agency simply because offense is overvalued from a contract perspective and defense is undervalued from a contract perspective. And so if you guy who you have a guy like Melton who is a great defender, those guys typically don't get paid as much as guys who are as good as they are on offense as they are on uh, a guy who is as good as on offense as Melton is on defense normally makes more money than him. I hope that makes sense. I hope I explained that well. But uh, yeah, no, I would I would really be interested in Melton. Um, a backcourt of DeAnthony Melton and Bruce Brown sounds like super unfun to play against, which is a consideration I am keep have as a consideration like I'm thinking of more and more as I think about how I would like this Pistons team to built to be built out. To me, the the ethos of Detroit from a basketball perspective is teams that make you like not that you like dread coming to play uh uh every night it's like man it's january we gotta fly up to detroit it's cold and those dudes are gonna beat the hell out of us for 48 minutes on both ends just make us work for everything and like yeah i don't want to play the pistons tonight like that's the type of team that detroit has like classically had success with and i think that's a formula that is not it's not really replicated in the NBA, you know, right now. Um, there are teams that are really good defensively, like Milwaukee and like the Lakers, but those teams are also good defensively because they, well, the the Bucks are really good defensively because they've like mastered their drop coverage from a coaching perspective and all credit to Bud uh, on that front. And the Lakers are good defensively in the regular season because they play a lot of two big lineups and um, a lot of uh, guards who uh, give effort on that end. And but like it sucks to play the Bucks and Lakers because it sucks to play Giannis and LeBron, right? Not because those teams those teams are good defensively and, and elite defensively in the case of Milwaukee, but that is not like the thing that singularly defines those teams. Um, with Detroit. No, barring the drafting of like Kate Cunningham in 2021 and like you get a star player that way like it, it's if it seems like you, this is going to be a team effort and you got to build this thing from the bottom up via a team right like you you want a team that's good defensively that it sucks to play against that teams don't want to uh, fight in the regular season and then like you worry about the talent later thanks for the question uh Jeff uh last but not least we've got is this last we had like one more question, didn't we? Uh, no, I think this is it. From uh, Almadi Bravo on Twitter. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your first name right, uh, Almadi. Uh, talk about the NBA draft. Yes, again. But uh, discuss the Pistons' chances in landing the top pick and possible trade trading the pick up or down. So the Pistons have what? Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pull up Tankathon right now so you guys like know that I'm just like not making this up. Uh, out of everything because I want to make sure that hey like I get this right and be that um, you know you you guys hear this for for the time okay so Detroit has a 10% chance at the first pick a 10% chance at the second pick a 10% chance at the third pick a 10% chance at the fourth pick and then like a 20% chance to pick sixth and a 26% chance to pick seventh and so it's 
so Detroit isn't like they're well positioned, but um, like their average like baseline uh, draft position is fifth, and it's very easy to imagine a scenario in which they end up in like six or seven. So be be ready for that, right? Like you know the the year that uh, everyone agrees the draft sucks and there's no one at the top of the draft, the Pistons uh, don't get a very high don't get a very high draft pick. That's that's gonna be fun. Um, and so if you end up at seven, I think, or if you end up at like in the six, seven range, I think that's actually a good place to be able to trade up or down because, um, in the, at the top of the draft, no one is certain like who the clear cut number one player in this year's draft is. And so you have the opportunity to, uh, find a guy that you are really confident in and move up and take that player and the other team is you know less confident they don't share your confidence or they're just like not sure uh, what to do with that pick and so that'd be why they'd be moving to to move down um there are also teams uh, at the top of the draft like namely the the golden state warriors who by all accounts are not like super in thought and enthused about taking the time to develop a, a top five draft pick when you know Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green are all going to be back next year. So, you know, there, there are teams that you can trade up uh, for. And then uh, if you end up at like six or seven or five, there is also, uh, everyone seems to agree that there's like a lot of value to be had in the uh, like 12 to like 25 range in this draft. Um, though there are a lot of guys that are going to dra- get drafted between like 12 and 25 they're going to be better than guys drafted in in the top eight and just like identifying those guys drafting them and developing them is going to be key um and so you you there will be opportunities as well for for you to like trade down um and get you know uh, multiple bites at the apple and even perhaps players who are going to be just as good if not better and so uh i think that you know, if, unless the Pistons end up like with the second pick, they have a lot of um, optionality um, in like where they're projected to draft in like the five, six, seven range. Um, and you know, if you if you get the first pick, um, I don't know, man. Like you you draft whoever you feel the best about, or you try and trade down. Um, that's that's how that goes. And then. Uh, Almighty also wanted to talk about some of the Pistons' young guys, the summer plan for uh, their for their development. Um, I don't know exactly what the what the plan is for the, the the individual like player development. I know that the like we have gotten reports that the the Pistons and other like teams that aren't invited to the bubble are interested in playing some sort of like organized basketball. Um, that's you know a pseudo like summer league type situation. Those are like interteam scrimmages. I know the um it was like mentioned that the Pistons and Cavs were interested in, in playing some or perhaps it'd be more accurate to say that the owners of the Pistons and Cavs were interested in playing some intramural games, some some friendlies. Uh I don't know how excited like Blake Griffin or Derek Rose would be to play in a in a friendly against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um I don't know how I don't know how excited Andre Drummond would be to get vengeance on the Detroit Pistons in a, in a friendly. So, so we, you know, we could see what kind of, what kind of, uh, you know, player, uh, uh, what kind of players you could get to show up for that game. 
but um yeah i think that uh you know as long as the players get the opportunity to do skill work with trainers which i think is something something you can do with like on an individual level with you know not that many coaches in a socially distanced uh basketball setting um you know i'm not super worried uh, about the the guys like missing out on precious development time and again like i think it's good for some guys from a health perspective um you know luke was in the process of getting healthy before the the season ended i think he was like he was uh, like gonna play either the game after philadelphia or or the next one and so uh, giving a guy like that more time to get healthy i think is is beneficial um giving you know blake time blake's not going to play in these friendlies but even you know giving blake time to recover fully from his knee injury which uh you know was due to honestly i I was due to like you know overuse and overwork um i think is is really important to kind of keep him healthy derrick rose is always a guy that you want to be as healthy as possible and you then you have the young guys right like bruce the bruce brown had the uh the hand surgery right like he he's fully recovered from that um you had guys, guys like Seku, like Seku had been, you know, playing uh, a lot of organized basketball for uh, the first time in his career, essentially. And so, like having him, uh, having him recover from the rigors of an NBA schedule and bounce back from that, I think is good. Um, Svi, right? Like Svi was, uh, Svi was, uh, he, he was like getting like he he missed some games in the middle of the season, and so I think yeah, that he's a guy who's like you know fighting to be in the rotation a guy who you know would want to um would like fight for nba minutes and so you hope like, he's fully recovered from the the nicks and, and uh, cuts he was uh going up going uh enduring like during the season and so yeah like I, I think uh i think development from i think from like a health perspective and from a development perspective this long layoff like isn't necessarily a, a bad thing for this team you know, another consideration that is honestly like, you know, right now the the plan the NBA has in place calls for the uh, for the start of the 2021 season to begin like six weeks after the finals or something insane like that. It's like a very compressed uh, off season, um, and so like I think it'll be beneficial from that perspective, right? Like you'll have. A bunch of teams who were uh you know quarantined together in florida for three months and then you know three months later dumped into a hopefully a normal nba schedule hopefully we don't know exactly what that's going to look like if fans are going to be allowed if they're going to be traveling uh, cross country etc but um you know having you know a bunch of young rested guys up against uh those type of teams like could be beneficial from a confidence and development standpoint you know getting some early wins against some teams who like aren't putting their full effort into the regular season because they just got out of the regular season i think would be would be good for this pistons team especially since this pistons team was on pace to win like three more games the rest of the season um anytime you can get a young team wins in which they play well like that's good um and it's not something that like uh, I'm like worried the Pistons are gonna like ruin their draft position next year or anything by like coming out strong out of the gate. Like no, like this team's gonna be bad, but like it's good for them to be, uh, not super bad for the entire season. That like that drains on you, right? Like losing like 
wears on your spirit. And so it's good to, to not lose all the time. So yeah, that's, that has been, this has been fun. Um, I don't know. I just like felt like getting back in the saddle and like doing a podcast. Um, when we get some news officially about the Detroit Pistons GM situation, whoever they officially hire, we'll be back for that. Um, when, you know, if there comes, if other stuff comes up, uh, we'll talk about it. But yeah, like it's, uh, it's good to get back in the saddle. I feel, I felt good about, uh, about this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I appreciate you y'all continuing to support the podcast despite the, uh, extremely long, uh, hiatus and the, uh, uncertainty between episodes. I appreciate everybody who just like sees a podcast instantly downloads and like tweets at me like, Hey man, I'm so happy you have a podcast like that. That truly like makes my day. I really appreciate that. Um, so, so thank you for that. Uh, one last thing I want to mention is that there is a uh, survey that blue wire sending out that I will be tweeting out with this podcast and that that helps us out a lot at blue wire. I don't know if you saw, but we're doing big things. We got Baron Davis on a podcast. We got, uh, we got Ethan Happ on a podcast. And so like we're, we're doing big things over at blue wire. And so that survey is how you can help us. You can help me be a part of those big things. So please, uh, take that survey. That'd be super uh, appreciated. But yeah, this has been the Pistons versus Everybody podcast, and we will talk to you guys whenever the Detroit Pistons hire a GM.